Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Halloween world spooky season. <laughs> My name's Carrie. I'm Emma. I'm Dean. We got Emma with us this time. We do. We have a chain to the table. <laughs> Jesus. Damn. That's spooky. It's spooky season. Okay. I'm spooky? just kidding. Okay. We don't. Okay, Dean. Dean is going to tell us about something very scary, I think. I, yeah. Yeah. Certainly it's involves something very scary. Maybe the scariest thing ever. Oh. It involves that tangentially. Okay. So we started out this hollow, weird world season telling you about the origin of the... Ouija board. We did indeed. Or Ouija. A Ouija board. The Ouija board. They've been scaring teens and credulous adults for over a century, as we know. One of the key reasons for this was how it was used in the classic horror movie, The Exorcist. Was I supposed to say that with you? Sure, if you want to. The Exorcist. I don't even remember that it was used in The Exorcist. You know what? I'm not going to lie. I didn't either, but it was. It's the impetus for the whole thing. So Regan. Regan? Regan. Regan. Reagan. 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 She, Reagan. It's spelled Reagan. I don't remember. She, I haven't I seen think it they in call her so Reagan. long. I think they do call her Reagan. I, really? Honestly, I don't think I've seen the whole movie start to finish. I have. But, but everyone knows everything that happens. Many moons. I think it's Reagan. Okay. We'll call her Reagan. And if it sounds weird, people can snicker at us. <laughs> it was played, she was played by Linda Blair. Uh, Reagan miss, messes with a Ouija board early on. And apparently it's been, it was shown to her by her imaginary friend, Captain Howdy. They're renting a house. Oh. Because she's filming a movie. Uh, what's her name? Her mom is Ellen Burstyn. Ellen Burstyn. Ellen Burstyn. Burstyn. One of my very favorite actresses ever. In uh, Washington, D.C. And she's, uh, Captain Howdy is like, oh, it's my imaginary friend. Captain Howdy. And her mom's like, oh, really? So they play with the Ouija board. And this inadvertently, apparently, invites a demon to take possession of her body. And then what ensues, as you know, are some of the scariest, creepiest, and most terrifying events ever fictionally displayed on film. Regan, or Regan, she levitates, her bed shakes, she twists her head all the way around, she throws stuff, she projectile vomits a lot, lot. and she says terrible things, and she does even worse things to a crucifix. Mm -hmm. So that's the, the great, one of the greatest movies of all time, released in what year? 1970? Go on. Eight, seven. Five. Oh. I was closer than you. Haha. Yeah. Yeah. I knew it was the 70s. I think it was 75. <laughs> let's, let's go with that. I think it was 75. Could have been 73. I'm not a million percent sure right now. 73, 75. Oh, the Lordies. book was released in 1971. It was written by William Peter, Peter Blatty. Did you know that that book, The Exorcist, is based on actual true events that happened to a young teen about 20 years or so before the book was published in 1971. I think I did. I watch a lot of like top tens and top 10 like movies based on a true story, but that I feel like that was in there. I know a lot about the movie. I've never, I don't know anything about the story that it's based on. I did not either. And I didn't either didn't know or didn't remember that it was supposedly based on a true story Mm -hmm. an actual exorcism. Yes. 73. 1973. Okay. So it was based on a true story. This is that story. Didn't know that either. Yeah. What a wonderful day for an exorcism. That's the only line I know from it. <laughs> okay. I think that's. I, I know some other lines, but we can't repeat them <laughs> on a family podcast. It's not a family they podcast. Your mother so sucks that smell. That was the. Uh, <laughs> that was the TV version of it. <laughs> Roland Doe, 
was not his real name. But that's what we're going to call him. That's what is what he was called by the very limited media attention that this case received at the time. Because they couldn't call him John Doe. They couldn't have him (laughs) Rolling Doe. Why? We'll, we'll, you'll find out the very okay. end, actually. Some he was sources rolling in the dough. Ooh. <laughs> that wasn't it. Oh. Some sources called him Robbie Mannheim. What so he had this fuck? other weirder pseudonym. I don't know why. Most most sources call him Roland Doe, and today he's mostly called Roland Doe. Are they sometimes use his real name? But now that you say Roland, mm-hmm. that now I think I know a little bit about the story. Okay. Because that sounds familiar. Yeah. But he's been called Roland Doe in, in almost all the media. Again, not his real name. That was a pseudonym. In fact, his identity was not known until over 60 years after his ordeal. Oh. And it wasn't publicly divulged until 2021. What the fuck? Seriously? Yeah. Roland grew up 2020 or 21, something like that, where it was made public. P- people knew about 20 years before that. Mm-hmm. But they kept his privacy because he was still alive. Well, and that's good, a good thing. Absolutely. It, yeah. Totally support that. He, he was dead when, his, when he was publicly yeah. divulged. Yeah. Rowling grew up in a family of German immigrants in Cottage City, Maryland. Hmm. It's a suburb of D.C., about five miles to the northeast of the city center of D.C. His father was Edwin. His mother was Odell. They were devout Lutherans, and they were off the boat from Germany. I don't. I think he might have even been born in Germany, but he was. He came here when he was very, very young. He was more or less friendless mm. growing up in 1940s America. He was an immigrant. I don't know if he spoke with a German accent or not. To be, I, I, I'm not sure. He may not have. I, he probably didn't. But he was just a little bit of a loner. He mostly hung out with his family. Mm-hmm. His favorite family member was his aunt Tilly. She's called, for some reason, some sources call her Aunt Harriet. Most, no idea why. I don't know if that was also a pseudonym, but well, she was mostly called Tilly Aunt Tilly. Tilly could be a nickname, and her real name could be Harriet. It could be, but it's not. Well. So, <laughs> <laughs> she was, you know, she, he loved to hang around with Aunt, Aunt Harriet. I guess she was fun. I'm sorry, Aunt Tilly. So the family, again, as I mentioned, were devoted Lutherans, a very staid, you know, denomination of, uh, within Protestant Protestantism. His aunt, though, was a devoted spiritualist. Mm. She was big into, you know, talking to the dead. This is 1940s now, spiritualism. I don't know. I know it made a huge comeback after World War I. I wonder if spiritualism made a comeback after World War II. I bet it did. Well, she was into it. This is just, this is shortly after World War II. We might have talked about that in our episode about the Ouija board. I don't think we did. Not about World War II, did we? I don't remember. Things are pretty cyclical, so I would yeah. not be shocked if it made a resurgence. And, well, at it, that ten, time. it tends to have resurgence has a resurgence when a lot of people die. Yes. Yeah. Has it made a resurgence with COVID? Hmm. Not that I know Ooh. of. Mm. We'll have to investigate. So what she did was she actually introduced her nephew Roland to this thing called the Ouija board. As, as again, we found out, oh, it's shit. been around since the late. 19th century. He's been around since 1891 in its present form. She was into the Ouija board. She introduced him to it. She taught him how to use it. And uh, or she, she had one and she taught him how to use it. And he's like, I want one now. Get me one now. So she did. And they had hours of weird fun together. <laughs> <laughs> this thing's a little strange. Super fun. Yeah. Not many young teens have their best friend be their aunt. In late 1948, Aunt Tilly died <gasps> no she was only 54 years old i wow. don't know what she died from breast cancer <laughs> uh, wow you guys are 
I guess it's not dark. I was <laughs> going to say murder, but no. She <laughs> left, her death left Roland crestfallen. And I'll now bet. even lonelier than he already had been. He I was only 13 sad. years old. 13 years old, his favorite aunt dies, late 1948. So pining for Tilly, Roland attempted to contact her via the Ouija board. Of course, I would have too. Um, bad idea. Had he not seen Uh-oh. The Exorcist? Oh, wait. Oh, that'd, wait. That'd be impossible because he is the reason for The Exorcist. So he still, bad things did not take long to start happening there in the Doe House in Cottage City, Maryland. It's January 1949. That's when the world basically changed for the family. First, they began to hear weird dripping sounds from somewhere in the house. They couldn't locate it. They just heard dripping sounds. Then they noticed that, hey, the pipes, some of their pipes were leaking and dripping, but there's no reason for it. Mm-hmm. It was very confusing to them. So they start to get a little worried, a little nervous. Then that was followed by scratching noises. And they were seen to come from the walls. Just these scratching, like almost maybe, were they on the wall? Were they inside the wall? They weren't sure. And they were just baffled by these sounds. What could be making these scratching noises? Is there a cat? I don't think so. Rats. Rats, but they had never heard them before. Yeah. They were befuddled by these hmm. scratching noises. Roland's mother, she's very religious. She wondered if these odd going ons were possibly caused by Aunt Tilly. Mm-hmm. She thought, I don't know if, if Tilly was her sister or her husband's sister. I'm not clear. But she went pretty quickly to, hey, is Aunt Tilly haunting us? <laughs> and why would Aunt Tilly do that? So. What? Aunt Tilly, you're crazy. Yeah, I know. It's not fun. It is. So <laughs> to prove this either right or wrong, they decided to ask her. Mm-hmm. The family's going to ask Aunt Tilly. What else are you going to do? I, I would. Yeah. I would. God, I, would, I really wish we were haunted. I know you guys think there's a ghost named Penelope up in the attic. I don't know. Maybe. But we haven't maybe. had a lot of contact. She hasn't shown up. She hasn't done a lot of haunting. Not especially really. Especially recently. I really wish she'd be more active as a ghost. Just like... To spice up yes. the household. We should have a, a seance and try to no. speak with her and say, you know what? No, 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 no. We're not saying go. We're saying do more shit. Do some, <laughs> but like some nice shit stuff. Yeah, of course. Sure. Just like don't around. damage any property. No, 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 no. Yeah, like, just play some music every now and then. I don't yeah. know about that. No, like put on, put on some nice smelling perfume and waft around the house so weird. we can smell that's it. That's weird, Carrie. As long as it's Create nice a cold spot, a yes. random spot. <clears throat> yes. yeah. Maybe hang up a picture of yourself That'd that be wasn't nice. there before. That'd be nice. Do some laundry. And every time we put it away, you put it back. Yeah. yeah. Dust some shelves. There you go. Walk around <laughs> when there's no one walking around. The, the usual stuff, the usual hauntings. Feed like the dogs, in- empty the dishwasher. <laughs> okay. Okay. You come up with lots now, of things for people yeah. to Okay, do. don't make our ghosts do chores, Carrie. <laughs> My God. So they want to ask Aunt Tilly if that's her. And so they basically had like, a, I guess, I, not, I, not a formal seance, I don't know, but said, if it's you, Aunt Tilly, haunting, knock three times. Three knocks Wait, sounded on the wall. Did they use the Ouija board? I don't, I don't I know. I mean, why Maybe. wouldn't you? Yeah, why wouldn't you use the Ouija Maybe board? They- you know, they were, the parents were really religious. They probably didn't know that Aunt Tilly had been playing Ouija with young Roland, so oh, they maybe okay. said no, no to that idea. Okay. Maybe they just talked out into the yeah, I think so. room because I think they so. thought she's, if she's already here, she's already mm-hmm. here. That's true. Aunt Tilly, is that you? So she knocks three times, so that, that says that's Aunt Tilly, right? Well, 
they need to be really convinced, this Doe family, because they just want to be really sure. So they said, okay, Tilly, if that really is you, do it again, but now knock four times. I don't know. <laughs> okay. Yeah, because... These weren't professional seance. Joe names. the ghost wouldn't be able to do that. No. Joe, no. <laughs> so, I mean, it's like, we're not trying to be bothersome. We just need to be really sure it's you. We're not making some ghost mistake. So, boom, 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 boom. She knocked four times. It was confirmed Aunt Tilly was in the house, and for some reason, she was messing with her family by haunting them huh. by making things drip and scratches. Don't know why she'd do that. Maybe she, that's the best you can do because you're, you know, incorporeal. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And Maybe you don't have that much power. That's true. That's true. We've seen enough ghost movies to know that sometimes it's not easy. But it's she not. could knock. That's true. If she could knock, you think she, mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah, that's a little confusing. Anyway, it was cool. You're, you're being haunted by your Aunt Tilly. The family tried to talk to her. They tried to reason with her. They basically begged her, you know, leave, go to the other, follow the light. Go on, move on, go mm-hmm. to the other side. Please leave us alone. That apparently only made things worse. Uh-oh. <gasps> oh, they pissed her off. Yeah, they did. And the focus of this this haunting seemed to be Roland. Of course. Bestie. Naturally. Yep. He began to hear a presence walking around in his room at night. That would be Yeah, I, yeah. I don't like that. I'd lose my mind. Yeah. But maybe I don't want Penelope to do that kind of thing. Mm-mm. Maybe I do. I don't know. Maybe not. <laughs> his mattress then started shaking <laughs> And then mysterious scratch marks appeared on his mattress. That can be a little for like, why are you scratching my mattress, girl? Stop it. Aunt. Knock it off. I know. Don't you mess up my mattress. This is not cheap. We're an immigrant family. <laughs> Furniture started moving around inexplicably. And sources vary, but maybe some objects levitated, or at least they were tossed across the room, poltergeist style, right? Yes. Seemingly no one was seen tossing them, so there's the family's getting pretty freaked out. Mm-hmm. The strange happenings even haunted Roland at school. They followed mm-hmm. him to school, Damn. and where his desk would suddenly shake and sometimes slide across the floor, the school said, you need to go. He had to leave school. What? Well, yeah. that's unconstitutional. Probably, but it's yeah. 1949. <laughs> it's Maryland. He's a German immigrant. You know what? They could oh. more or less do what they want. Poor Roland. So, Poor yeah. German boy. Yeah, German boy, 1949. Not yeah, a great probably not place too popular to in that yeah, area. It's a bad combination. It is. So they said, get the hell out. Yeah. All of this caused much fretting for his very worried mother now. She's now just sick with worry. The family took Roland to doctors, they took him to psychiatrists, but the mysterious activities continued. Then came an escalation. <gasps> Scratch marks again appeared. But instead of on Roland's mattress, they were on Roland's body. Oh, no. This was getting serious. It's not Aunt Aunt Tilly anymore. I don't think so. Aunt Tilly wouldn't wouldn't hurt Roland. I don't don't think think she would. I don't think so. I mean, she introduced Mm -hmm. him to Ouija. They had hours of fun. The family knew they needed help. So naturally, they went to the local Lutheran priest, the Reverend Luther Souls. Shoal. Luther is a Lutheran. I know. That is a you little have on to the nose. Yeah. I don't think you do have you to be. You don't have a choice, I think, if your name is Luther. Well, he couldn't have been Methodist. Well, sure he could. No, he couldn't. I guess not. So Luther, or Scholes, Reverend Scholes, how's that? He was a clergyman in a, in a mainstream denomination, as we said, but he also just happened to be 
a huge enthusiast about things paranormal. Mm, He's really into ghosts and psychic phenomena and things like Mm -hmm. that. Just apparently just coincidental. He enthusiastically offered to help. He's like, oh yeah, I went out on this case. Absolutely. It's like, what? Ghost noises? Yeah, I'm I'm there. Schultz's plan was to take the young teen to his house for an overnight stay. Oh, and observe uh, him. Don't like that idea. No, I'm, no, what no. could be wrong with that? That sounds okay. dangerous. Roland was barely a teenage boy, of course, and Schultz was a religious authority figure, so nothing could... Oh, wait, yeah. Wait, hold on. Yeah, mm. that's not a good idea. Naturally, the family eagerly agreed. Wait, was Schultz single or was he married? I think he was married. Doesn't really change anything. Not completely, no. <laughs> wow. Well, but it's 1949, so they said, sure, take him, priest. Yeah. Hang out with our child all night long. So they did, and Schultz took him home to, again, presumably his family. I didn't read for sure. I, I've got to believe that he had a family. And they settle in for their all-nighter. Mm-hmm. We're going to just, like, I guess, like, look at you, see what happens. And during the night, Schultz heard scratchy noises Apparently, just like at the Cottage City home, from coming from inside or on the wall, he saw an armchair fall over, apparently all by itself. So he was freaked out. He'd seen enough. He goes back to the family, and he says, you need to get in touch with the Catholic Church. <laughs> this is b- above my pay grade? I don't know. He said, this is a job for a priest. We I'm Lutherans a can't handle this. <laughs> Literally. Yeah. He said, you need to go talk to the Catholics. Which makes zero sense. He said... Uh, your son is possessed by a demon. This ain't Aunt Tilly. Go get the Catholics. It's and different. Lutherans don't believe in demons. Is that the deal? They don't do exorcisms. They didn't because take the, the, why? They didn't take the same courses. No, they didn't. <laughs> in, you got to know a lot of Latin. Yeah, they didn't as, take as Latin. We know, so. They didn't go to Rome. Crucifixes. Mm-mm. Wait, they probably had crucifixes. Oh, Lutherans, Lutherans, I assume, have crucifixes. I have absolutely no. Ho- they don't. I don't knowledge. think they have holy water. I think holy well, water. Of course, is a they have Jesus. Jesus. Exorcism is, is mostly a Catholic thing. I know these, it is. These but more I'm like just evangelical, saying. weird. You know, exorcisms more recently. That's pretty new historically. Yeah. Yes. And the Christian tradition has been Catholic. Yeah, and I think because I don't think mainstream Christianity believed in demons and stuff like that. Well, right at this time and for a while before this. The Catholic Church was pretty down on exorcism. They were very rare. Yes. They, well, they would not allow yeah. them very often at all. I'm sure they're still pretty rare. Yeah, because they were, frankly, kind of embarrassed by it because it's, mm-hmm. it's not super rational. And mm-hmm. and they um, would, I don't know if it was exactly this time, but at one point there were only 14 priests in the world who were allowed and like you know trained to be exorcists. Yeah. Something like that. Maybe it's America, but anyway, it was not common at yeah. all. You'd think with the amount of exorcism movies we have that it was super common. You, you would. You would. There's yes, a new yes. movie coming out. The, <laughs> it's supposed to be like the first female nun that ever did it. It's become a like subgenre. Nun, exorcism like movies have become, have become a subgenre. Yeah. Oh, is it in modern times? No, it's back in the day. And they're going to have a nun do the exorcism? 100%. That's not historical. No, it's not supposed to be based on okay. any sort of true story. Yeah. ridiculous. But it's like this whole like... She was chosen by okay. the something, something. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. It's, a, it's a. I watch them because they're deeply entertaining to me. Mm-hmm. But um, mm, me, not so much. So, I, although I love The Exorcist, that's a great movie. That's a phenomenal. I I've, like I've never seen The Exorcism of Emily Rose. I've heard that's a a, a good movie. Though. I watch like the I watch like the Conjuring movies because everybody I my age goes and sees the Conjuring those. Movies they, I like them because they portray the most vile people on the planet as yeah, good. Not and a wholesome. fan of those people. Patrick Wilson looks like the nicest guy in the world. No, he is Patrick, portraying a monster <laughs> piece of shit human being. Patrick Wilson 
scares me to my core. Really? Oh, because yeah. you grew up watching him do creepy things. Yes. He doesn't see He just has that, that super nice like, guy. I'm just middle American nice guy. He does. And when I see him yeah. in other movies, I am able yeah. to disconnect. But and when it, I just like, I'm like, you scare me. It's like, I'm a friendly white guy. <laughs> yeah. I am the stereotype. <laughs> so Scholl says you need to go to the Catholics. Your kid's possessed by a demon. Not right then, but a little bit later, Scholl's would write to a professor at Duke named J.B. Ryan. Eventually, we'll do an episode about him. J.B. Ryan studied parapsychology. Mm. He was really maybe the first accredited parapsychologist at a major university, at Duke University, and he conducted all kinds of experiments about ESP. He invented those, um, I can't remember the name of those cars that had like the block and the star and things like that. Uh, Scholes told Ryan all about the Roland Doe case, explained about the chairs moved with, in, with Roland, you know, not in the room or, or with a different part of the room and how one chair even tossed Roland out of it and how Roland's bed quaked and all that kind of thing, right? And he said that he even told Ryan that when Roland Rock walked by a picture of Jesus at the family home, it would shake and sometimes fall off the wall. All these things, Stroll said, I test, I saw them. And hmm. he wrote this to, to, um, to J.B. Ryan. Mm-hmm. We'll, we'll come back to that in a minute or in a little while. So the Doe family, pretty desperate, they decide to convert to Catholicism. They, Natural. Yeah. Sequence I mean, of events. You gotta get you. If your kid's possessed by a demon and it's the Catholics who are doing the exorcisms. Yeah. Do I, you yeah. need to be a Catholic to uh, get exercised? I, I guess by you Catholic? did. They hmm. did. Or maybe it's just like, How I don't stingy know. Yeah. Of the priests. <laughs> so they convert to Catholicism and they contact the Jesuits. The Jesuits, they're a kind of a scholarly sect. And mm-hmm. the Jesuits ran and still do run Georgetown University. I was going to say they oh. do a lot of like high schools and stuff too. They do. Really? Georgetown University is a major college in Washington, D.C., nearby where mm-hmm. the does live. They think, okay, they're going to know what to do about our son, who it's maybe it's a ghost, maybe it's a lot worse. By this point, the family, I'm, I'm assuming they must have thought, okay, they must have believed, okay, it's demonic. It's, not, it's no longer Aunt, Aunt Tilly. Right. Otherwise, why, why did they go to the Catholics and become Catholic? So the first guy that comes to save the day, is a local priest, local Catholic priest named Father E. Albert Hughes. Hughes went to the family's home and examined Roland. He apparently witnessed something, I don't know, weird or demonic, because he then went to his church superiors and said, hey, I would like to perform an exorcism on this kid in Cottesville City. Exorcisms, as I mentioned a minute ago, were very, very rare, and kind of frowned upon by a lot of the church, but apparently they said, go for it. Damn. So Father Hughes is going to go into the Doe home and perform an exorcism. He, I guess, didn't want to do it at the actual home, so he had him admitted into Georgetown Hospital in in Washington, D.C. Wow. Got him a private room, and in that private room, he strapped Roland to a bed so he couldn't, you know, by this time he's he's acting out mm-hmm. and resisting, and he then just starts doing the whole Latin exorcism rites over him. The to, power of Christ compels you. Yes, uh, but in Latin. Mm-hmm. I don't know. You're not going to do that in Latin. No. Come on. So that's how. You, I mean, that's how you exercise a demon out of a human body. I will say, kudos to them for doing it at a hospital. Yeah. yeah. In case he had any adverse health effects, that's kind of a smart move i think so not yeah. super down to strap kids to beds no but. <laughs> that's uh that's also that's the second very questionable thing that <laughs> but at least he was at a hospital or not because you always hear it happening yeah. at somebody's house yeah i know yeah 
it's going gonna, it's gonna to move to her house in a little bit. So Damn. apparently <laughs> things went well enough for a while because through February of 1949, Hughes conducted numerous exorcism rites. So it, it's going on for much of February. He's going back to that hospital room and, oh you know, the power of Christ compels you, the power of Christ, sprinkling the holy water, I'm sure. He's got the crucifix. He's got the Bible. But... Demons are tenacious, as we know. Yeah, you have to really kind of persistent. You have to kind of erode their clutch on the soul over time. Father Hughes, though, he was patient, so he plugged away for like two or three weeks. Jesus, I know that would get boring. <laughs> so Wait, did he stay in the hospital it. the whole time? I'm the, sure he went kid? and had a day job and he would come. At, no, the kid, the child, oh, the kid. Yeah, he was in the hospital the whole oh, time. Oh, what? Jesus. Yeah, were they charging the parents? I don't. Don't know. I hope not. Probably not. No, I don't think so. So, I don't know, though. It was tough going at times, though, because Roland's bed would shake. Mm-hmm. Objects would fly across the room. You know, the usual stuff when you're possessed by a demon in mm-hmm. a teen. But there was another overt sign that it really was a demon, because at one point, Roland allegedly cried out, O sacerdos Christi, tu sis me esse diabolum. Which I'm, is flawless Latin. Yeah, by the I way. think you nailed that one. And so go ahead and translate for that, please. Uh, um, I am so pissed. I'm a demon of the devil. You're very close. I, got I know the devil. Diablo. In there, yeah, yeah <laughs> Diabolum. Oh, priest of Christ, you know that I am the devil. Okay, I nailed it. Yeah, yeah. you did. It's a little on the nose when it's like, <laughs> I wonder if the devil's on here. And he says, Oh, priest of Christ, you know I'm the devil. <laughs> right here, guys. Right here. So at that said, okay, we're dealing with at least a demon and maybe even the downstairs the devil big guy yeah. himself. I don't know. So that would be that'd be pretty scary, actually. It's, it's like, whoa, job, whoa, guys. whoa. This is not Beelzebub. This is <gasps> Satan. <laughs> this is let's just call him Lewis Cipher, like the super clever <laughs> name in that movie with with uh, Mickey Rourke. But then Roland managed to get his hand under the mattress. Somehow, I mean, he's restrained, right? So he managed to get his hand under, and he broke off a piece of the <gasps> bed spring. Oh, oh no! He and I guess he must have got out out of the restraints entirely, his because he then lunged at the Reverend Hughes when he's doing his Latin rites over him and slashed him across the shoulder. <sighs> it was a deep cut too. It required stitches. Oh no! And Reverend Hughes said, "I'm out. I'm done." Actually, <laughs> he, he literally did. He said, "This is it." I'm, I, I, he sent him home. And he filed his workers' comp claim. <laughs> and <laughs> he did. I don't blame him. It's like, okay, this is bullshit. It's been three weeks. The demon's still in there, and now he's cutting me? I, I'm I done. I do not get paid enough. Yep, I don't. So a few days after these first exorcisms ceased, the family wondered, okay, we still need help. It's still happening. Should we get, Where should we go? What should we do? I don't know if they realized. They said, you know, one of our, their cousin, I don't know if it was, it was, again, whether the mom or the husband's cousins, I don't know, but they had a cousin in St. Louis, and they say, said, isn't she studying with priests at a Catholic church somewhere over there? I mean, maybe they could help. Maybe these other priests in St. Louis could help. And after they discussed this, soon after, the word Louis was found scratched onto Roland's body. Oh. And it's like, okay, Mrs. Doe's goes, all right, that's enough for me. We're going to St. Louis. Obviously, someone wants us to go there, so that's where we're going. Hey, though, when do you think we should leave? And they discussed this, and soon thereafter, the word Saturday was scratched oh. on Roland's hip. 
looks Poor like. Poor Roland, man. I know. The demon he's has like a, a schedule. He's like a chalkboard. <laughs> <laughs> and then the family started talking about how long they should plan on staying in St. Louis. <sighs> At, just after that, the phrase three and a half weeks appeared on Roland's chest. I'm dead serious. serious. Oh, my All God. those things happen. Jesus. So that's it. So why are they listening to the demon? Because the demons, the... you know. I don't. Yeah, that's a great question. But they were off to St. Louis. They're going to leave on Saturday, and they're going to stay. I don't know, maybe a little less than a month. <laughs> so I would do were. the opposite of what the demon was Probably. telling me to do. I'm just saying. Well, they did not. They were off to St. I Louis. I think I'd want to keep that demon a little bit happy until we got him out of there. Maybe, maybe that's why. Okay. Didn't, I don't know. Kill my kid. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Doe's encampment in St. Louis was a very nice two-story red brick colonial in the Bell Nor neighborhood. On, sure. On Roanoke Drive. It's an actually a very nice neighborhood. Gorgeous that's where the cousin lived. <laughs> what? Gorgeous neighborhood. Yeah. It's, it's actually. Quite, I know it it's quite so beautiful. well. It is the Bell Nor. I mean, for sure. The cousin was attending St. Louis University, a Catholic college. Of course. She was studying with priests there. She knew a priest at the college named Walter H. Halloran, and she contacted him and to tell him about the case. I guess she, for some reason she thought he would want to hear about this. He knew something about exorcism. I don't have details beyond that. But she talks to Halloran, and she you know, says, this thing is happening to my cousin. She introduces Halloran to the family from Maryland, and... He and Halloran is, is interested, and he goes, "Let me bring in my colleague, the, colleague, the Reverend William Bowdern. He's going to um, join me." So Halloran and Bowdern become kind of the leads on this case. How and they are they're really intrigued. They're thinking, "Okay, it looks to them like a case of exorcism, of demonic possession mm-hmm. on Roland Doyle." So, uh, what? What? Give us a weird look on her face. <laughs> Just her face. Yeah, Uh, (laughs) Yeah, thanks a lot. I'm just kidding. They, Halloran and Bowden, go to their superiors (laughs) and they ask them what? Halloran Bowden. Halloran Bowden. I'm just gonna call them Bow. They're like a team, like a partnership. They they go to the 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 big priest, I guess, there at St. Louis University, and say, "That's what the title is." Oh, you know what? The Archbishop, the guy with the biggest hat, the plaque on the door, the big priest, big priest. (laughs) Who's got the biggest hat? Let's ask him. And they say, can we do an exorcism? We think this kid is possessed by a demon. And the Catholic elders there in St. Louis say, sure, go for it. Which again, it's... um, They play it fast and loose there in St. Louis. They do. This was going to be a long slog. They knew that. I mean, they they must have known that Father Hughes couldn't do it in two or three weeks. But I mean, they're probably... So... Halloran and I mean they probably think we're better than that guy. He's just some, you know. He's a, we we he's know a what quack. we're doing. We're 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 the big guns. They so they bring in several assistants. I think some were priests, I don't know if all of them were. Maybe some altar boys, I don't know, to carry the holy water, I'm not sure. <laughs> but they brought like several. Like they, at some point I think there's as many as like nine priests in that room. Yeah. With Damn. This poor kid. Thanks a lot. All yeah. hands on deck situation. It is. <laughs> Everybody, uh, no one goes on vacation. No, you can't have the 23rd off. We're doing <laughs> the, the exorcism. <laughs> We're very clear about this. But it's, it's, a, it's my cousin's wedding. I don't care. <laughs> There's a demon inside that child. One priest that would be brought in late, a little bit later was the Reverend Raymond Bishop. That name's important because he would eventually start writing a journal that would prove to be very important. We'll talk about that in a minute as well. And I really hope someday he becomes a bishop. 
these people's names are just too convenient. Raymond yes. Bishop, yes, yeah. I know that is true. That is a little convenient. Mm-hmm. Luther, the Lutheran bishop, the Catholic, who I don't know if he became. I don't think he became a bishop. I think mm-hmm. he was just a priest. Devastating. Maybe he was like, I, I mean, they gotta make me a bishop if my last name's exactly. Bishop. Exactly. I'll, so I'll be a priest. So people could call him Bishop Bishop. That would be great. Bishop yeah. Bishop. That's Dean. You really should have become a dean of a college. <sighs> You're so right. You could have been dean, dean. Dean. Yeah. No. I've 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 been told that since I was like four. I know. <laughs> and then it would just sound like everybody's ringing bells. Ding 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 ding. ding. Okay. Now you guys are just being mean. <laughs> right. I, I'm feeling bullied, <laughs> and I'm not even a dean. Um. Somebody just had a new baby and they named it Dean. That's a great. That's a rare thing. I know. I've the only never to know, met another person named Dean. Dean from Supernatural, and he's not a real person. <laughs> I dean had Martin. To his name was actually Dino. In, in Italian, is there no? There is a, an actor, Dean Kane. The dad in mm-hmm. um, and he's a piece of. Wow! Wow! Throwing shade on Dean Kane. The dad in Get Out was also named Dean. In real life or in no, no. in the movie. In the movie. In, in the, the movie. movie. Okay. It's Bradley well, Whitford. Yeah. The, <laughs> yeah. Okay. But non-fictional characters actually read people named Dean. That's a rare thing. Well, there's Dean in my neighborhood growing up. I'm not gonna say his last name. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Let's Protect move on. his identity. You're not my first dean. It's Whoa! Oh my <laughs> okay. god! Damn. A little on the nose there. <laughs> yeah, a little, a uh, little revealing, Carrie. No, I that yeah. I've ever met. Carrie, Carrie, Carrie. We heard you the first time. <laughs> we know what you meant. All right. <laughs> so this gaggle of priests invaded that nice little home in Belnor on Rowan and set to work. By the way, I looked up Google. What do you call a group of priests? And there's uh, lots of various things. There's the they can be called an in- inquisition. Ooh, that's a discretion a or a lechery of oh, priests. Oh God, all of these sound horrible. They're all terrible. Yes, I have no comment on which is the most appropriate, but I, I have an idea. So I, they, I, I call them a flock. It's a flock. A flock of, of priests. priests. That's right. the best. I like a murder of priests. I like a squad. A squad. A squad is a good one. <laughs> We're the P squad. <laughs> <laughs> there at at Bel- at the home there in St. Louis, they experienced. Everything the family said had happened. They uh, they witnessed all those things that the family had said to him been going on for this time, like a month now. They found scratches on Roland's body. They found that the mattress would shake violently. He would move around. He was very violent and abusive and you know argumentative and all that kind of stuff. I, again, I don't think he twisted his head around, but he was pretty nasty. It continued for days and days and days. The exorcism even eventually seemed to like almost settle into a routine. Halloran and Bowdern noticed that Roland would typically was normal. He was calm and normal throughout the daytime. And it wasn't until night that suddenly he would start acting up again. Hmm. Mm. So, so they'd start doing the exorcism at nighttime when he started um, being all demonic-y, hmm. which is a word. Roland would fall into trances sometimes and he would speak in like a strange guttural voice. And he would also speak in Latin occasionally, a language that he did not know. Of course he didn't. Objects in the room would be sent flying, especially any sacred object. I guess like a crucifix, yeah. boom, that's going to be hitting the wall. Mm-hmm. Don't even bring it in here, people. Don't, don't bring that <laughs> crucifix on me, bro. Bowden wrote that there was, quote, scratching which beat out a rhythm of marching soldiers. A second-class relic of St. Margaret Mary was thrown on the floor. The safety pin was opened, but no human hand had touched the relic. R, meaning Roland, started up in fright when the relic was thrown down, end quote. So he's witnessing these things, and I'm assuming that quote comes probably from Bishop's journal later on. Reverend Bowdern even apparently tried to trick the demon 
out of Roland's body. So he blessed the crucifix and then he hid it under his pillow. Oh. Sneaky. And the family leaves for a little while to leave Roland to take a nap. It's like, why don't you go take a nap? Why don't you go lay down? Or we're just going to go to the store. We'll be back. And wink, so wink. they do. They leave. They get home and the place is trashed. Oh, the demon God. found the, you know, and, and furniture's like flipped over and the crucifix was on the edge of the bed and was said to be quivering when they got home. Oh, so sure. That Super demon, scared. That demon was not impressed. What would happen if you had him drink holy water? Ooh, like, like no, no, this is just Arrowhead. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. What would happen? Uh, pff, Bernie, he'd probably get a really, really bad acid reflux. Yeah. That's what I assume. would like gurgle and yeah. he'd spit it up. and. Yeah. You know, remember, you don't want to hurt the kid, Carrie. That's He's a vessel true. for a terrible demon. That's true. For the okay. devil himself. Yeah, yeah. That's why. Otherwise, you just beat it out of him. Yeah. yeah, that's true. Roland would violently and aggressively resist all of their ministrations. He was he was getting pretty bad. He would curse them. He'd fight them. Some of the, the details are fuzzy about exactly what happens, but according to one source I read, said that uh, one of Bowder's assistants, so one of the other nine priests, whatever, he had his nose broken during one of these altercations. I guess Roland, you know, flailing sure. around and swiping punches. He was going, you know, he was getting in there. It was, it was like a battle. So day after day, or night after night, I guess, this is battling this kid who's this 13-year-old kid who's possessed by a demon. Or even, again, maybe... Antilly. Oh. What'd you say? Antilly? Antilly. Now, Carrie, we've left Antilly. No, she was never the problem, Carrie. was always a demon, obviously. Mm-hmm. Antilly was improperly blamed by Mrs. Doe. I'm, yes. I'm still a little upset about that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and on it went. It lasted weeks again. The priest said the words. The demon resisted them. And Roland would then, you know, I get rest up for the day and go back at it at nighttime. Well, why didn't they try it during the day? <sighs> when he's calm? I don't yeah. know. Maybe they may have. I, they probably did. Yeah. I don't know. There are also kinds of like signs and portents, right? A scratch appeared in the vague shape of a pitchfork. A what? And it went all the way down from Roland's thigh to his ankle. How? And the priest are going, that's pretty demonic. That's a pitchfork. I think that's a pitchfork. Is that a pitchfork? That looks like a pitchfork. Yeah. Then the priest found an X scratched into Roland's chest. One of the priests says, hey, I think the demon is trying to express the number 10. Mm. That's Roman for 10. Maybe then that means that Roland has been possessed by 10 separate demons. That's a stretch. So yeah, Uh, it's a bit of a stretch. That had to be a disheartening day though. If you think, oh, we got to kick 10 out, not just one. Oh my God, this is sucks. We've already been doing this for weeks. (laughs) I've got shit to do. The bed shaking, the body scratching, the bad Latin still went on. Then on March 20th, at nighttime, of course, events got a little nastier. Roland peed all over his bed. Aww. And then he started shouting and swearing at the priest. The family was just like, that's it. This is too much. We can't keep doing this in this nice little two-story brick house in mm-hmm. Bill Noor. Some nice, they've got nice neighbors. <laughs> I imagine the cousin was probably also like, yeah, you guys okay. should leave. Guys, yeah. come um, on. When I said you can come up for a while, I didn't know there'd be this shit going on for this long. So it was time to leave. But you couldn't very well take Satan back to Maryland with you, could we? I mean, when they stop you at the place, you know, where they ask about fruit and said, what do you have with you? What would you say? So, oh, just a demon. But yeah. this demon's originally from Maryland, so it's okay that it's we're okay. bringing him back. So you couldn't. They didn't want to go back to Maryland. They didn't know where to go. So finally, they were offered... A hospital. So the, the priest 
said, we can put him in a hospital. The Alexian Brothers Hospital is this big old four-story building with a very nice garden. There was a Catholic hospital in part of, in St. Louis there. They said, we'll put him there and we'll continue the exorcism there in the hospital. Why they didn't do that from the beginning, I don't know. Yeah. Again, I guess the, the cousin was imposed upon, apparently. Mm-hmm. So they went at it again, day after day after day, night after night. Finally, April 18th. It's been going on for a long time. Yeah. It's the Monday after Easter. The fever broke. Roland screamed and carrying on. He's cursing the priest and everything, all that usual stuff. He's praising Satan. He's saying, the devil's going to be in me forever. Nothing you can do about it. The priest laid like holy objects onto his body, things like crucifixes, medallions, and rosaries. And I'm assuming gallons of holy water were used, mm-hmm. but it still wasn't working. At 10.45 that night, though, one of the priests had the genius idea. He says, I think we should bring St. Michael, the archangel, into this fray. Why they didn't think of that weeks ago, I don't know. Because Michael is a pretty badass dude. Yeah. He's a big gun. So they invoked Michael explicitly to send the demon back to hell. They like taunted the demon apparently and said, okay, it's Michael. Michael here is now. He's going to kick your ass. He's going to fight you. He's never going to give up. You don't have a chance. You better leave. Roland lolled his head in a trance. And he was stayed in that trance for seven minutes, writhing in this weird trance-like state. After those seven minutes, he suddenly just sort of snapped up, snapped out of it, opened his eyes. And he looked at one of the priests and he very calmly said, He's gone. Oh, just the threat Whoa. of Michael, huh? I'm telling you, Michael's big. So Roland said later that, that said, during that seven minutes, I had this vision of seeing Michael on this battlefield, and he's battling Satan and winning, and finally expelled the demon from his body. Michael is no so joke. It's all about Michael. Rolando, according to the Reverend Bowdern, would go on to live a normal, productive life and was never possessed by a demon again. Well, wow. Good for Roland. Not nearly as scary as the movie. No, but let's ask another question, though. What really happened in Maryland and St. Louis in early 1949? That would eventually result in one of the greatest horror movies of all time, maybe the greatest. So here's a key to remember this is that this story contemporaneously was very thinly covered. Mm-hmm. There's very few accounts of what happened. There was that, this blurb in the Washington Post because it, there were a local family that, and Blatty saw that. He saw that in 1949. He saw that blurb and that yeah. would stick with him. And he would eventually write the novel 20 years later. But otherwise, pretty much everything we know about this comes from, again, a very limited contemporaneous newspaper accounts and from Raymond Bishop's journal. Yeah. At least initially, there's a lot of misinformation. Like Roland's age was given as 14. He was actually 13. They lived in Cottage City, but the town they lived in was uh, listed in the media as Mount Rainier, Maryland, which is a few miles away from Cottage City. So after the story broke this, in 1949, people were talking about this, hey, this family in Mount Rainier was possessed by a demon. A lot of kids in Mount Rainier would go hang out mm-hmm. at an empty lot that they thought had been the home of the family and scare each other with scary, scary stories, yeah. not realizing they were miles away from where the family actually lived. But there's some bigger holes to the story. According to a researcher named Mark Opsasnik, who studied this uh, very diligently, he said that 
Reverend Hughes was never injured. There's no evidence whatsoever that he was injured by any, he had no cut, no stitches. That detail was completely invented. He said, in fact, he could find no evidence that Reverend Hughes ever visited Doe family in Maryland or that Roland was ever admitted to Georgetown Hospital or he was ever restrained in a room and, and, and no exorcisms were ever conducted in Georgetown Hospital. There are also rumors that Reverend Hughes, after this terrible ordeal where he supposedly cut and everything, that he had a breakdown and left. Not true. He went on being a normal priest there. And so so it's, it's very likely no exorcisms were ever conducted in, in Maryland at all. Is it not feasible that they didn't keep records of it? Uh, that because would be a huge deal. And admission to a hospital, they have records of it, people admitted to a hospital, and there's no record of, of they, again, they know his real name, of that person being uh, yeah, but admitted to the hospital. Can you just waltz into a hospital and say, give me the records? Yeah. Uh, he, he, got, he got access to the records. Mark Obsasnik did. Hmm. And uh, I think he was, he was doing this in about 2000 or so. Mm. Late 90s, 2000, something like that. Reverend Halloran, remember who he had led the exorcisms in St. Louis? He apparently never checked for any kind of evidence that Roland was scratching himself and just, you know, just uh, assumed that was the, the demon scratching from under his skin and never looked for any kind of evidence on his fingernails or a sharp object or anything like that. That Roland was not a mass of scars shows you that these scratches yeah. were pretty superficial. Yeah. They obviously were, and they're at times very convenient. Roland never showed any kind of abnormal strength. That's one of the things he, you know, nothing like that. He, let alone twist his head all, all the way around, obviously bloody, yeah. admittedly embellished. Obsasnik would write later that, quote, Doe had been a very clever trickster who had pulled pranks to frighten his mother and fool children in the neighborhood. He had a kind of a history okay. of that. Shaking your bed, scratching yourself, tossing objects, those aren't, Hard to do. You can mm-hmm. feign right, yes. that, that kind of things very easily. Roland was even caught scratching the word hell and Christ into his chest with his fingernails at one point. Yes. So at least once he was caught doing exactly that. I mean, I guess you could say, oh, you know, Satan was doing it. But the whole yeah. point is that these are miraculous scratches yeah. and no one was seen doing them. And they at least one time they caught him actually doing them. And sadly, obviously, there's a lot of this whole... You know, young teens with these kind of hysterical reactions in repressed environments are just lonely, bad environments. Yeah. And he was clearly, that's not uncommon at all. And you know what's going to get attention. What are your exactly. parents very uh, One researcher, uh, uh, Joe Nickel, a researcher, he, was, he said, and this is his characterization of Roland, he said that he was this nasty little bully. He what? always had to get his own way. Oh. He was just not a, he, he was kind of, he kind of ruled the household. Hmm. He, he had to have his own way, like, for instance, going to St. Louis on a Saturday for three and a half weeks. <laughs> Single child. Yeah, for sure. And yes, okay, how did he speak Latin? You can't do that. Well, I don't know. I don't know if there's Latin and Lutheran rites, but they're a very religious family. So, and they went to church every single Sunday and then some. I mean, he may have picked it up there, or he mm-hmm. could have picked it up from the rites. Remember, these priests were speaking Latin to him every single day for a long time when he suddenly started... Yeah parroting some Latin back to them, apparently. How accurately did the priest hear that Latin? Did they kind of hear what they wanted to hear? It's possible. Yeah. Did they turn some semi-Latin gibberish into I am the devil kind of a thing? I don't know. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Also, library books exist, yeah. and Latin was taught in schools it regularly. Uh, yeah, yep. whether or not, yeah, that's true. I mean, my mother... Is learned. possessed by a demon? No, but uh, she had to learn Latin. <laughs> okay. And what... 
We have a cat that's possessed by a demon yeah, again. Yeah, that cat is clearly possessed by a demon. He's struggling right now. <laughs> he already scratched my arm. Oh, are you sure it was him? It could have been a demon. <laughs> so there's also some other physical manifestations that you might question, like, okay, did Roland really levitate? Did items, items levitate? I don't know. Probably not. Bishop's Journal. <laughs> you don't I know? Mean, you think there's a possibility well, they did? No, but there, there is certainly, for sure, things are being tossed around, furniture is being knocked over, all those kinds of things were happening. The question is, could Roland have been doing those? Yeah. And I, I'll bet there was a way I mean, that he did. Yeah. So, you know, answer that for yourself. I have my answer. The timing also becomes important, because remember, Reverend Bishop wrote all these things. He actually was not called into the case until March 9th. They're already in St. Louis by then. So basically, everything that happened back in Maryland, which we don't think really happened, at least not the way it's told, and for part of the time in St. Louis, during the initial St. Louis exorcisms, Raymond Bishop had to rely on the family telling him what had happened. Oh, so he's, yeah. his journal is just relaying what they told me happened. So, like I said, that one researcher questions that, I mean, don't, you know, yes, they had, weird stuff was happening back in Cottage City, Maryland. They did go to, the, to a priest, but in terms of like going to Georgetown, being exercised rights, and having this priest injured, it's likely none of that actually happened. Yeah. Yes. And just practically, if things are flying, do you really, would you have any object that could be fly across the room in that room with him? No. Take this, put the stuff away, family. Yeah. It was said also once that whenever he would walk by, holy water in the Cottage City house, it would shake or fall down. You have, what, little cups of holy water all over your house? A little weird dough, family. But well, once you find out your kid's possessed by a demon, you I go guess. get some jars of holy water. And dis- distributed around the house in various yeah. places. All right, okay, all right. That's that's answered. Carrie helped me with that one. Hey, you walk by, you dip your hand in it, do the sign of the cross. Yeah, you know, I didn't realize that. <laughs> Checked yourself? I, I, did, I forgot that you're Catholic. Yes, I'm Dean. not, so I apologize. I, did, I didn't She's realize. She's not really Catholic. She I was, was baptized a, with holy water. She's baptized with holy water. She didn't burn as far as we know. Nope. She might have. The exorcism in St. Louis, though, those did happen. But as we alluded to a minute ago, the, the Maryland ones likely did not. Again, there's no record of him being admitted to Georgetown, etc. Mm. And it was super rare. So do you have two for the Catholic Church to say yes to the exorcism? So you have two? And the first one is just one priest who yeah. went to his house and said, yeah, I think he's, he's possessed. So it's, it's, yeah. it's very unlikely any of the, the, the Maryland stuff was highly, highly, highly embellished at least. And, um, or I mean, maybe Father Hughes was going rogue. Maybe. I suppose. That's possible. Mm-hmm. But he, didn't, he wouldn't have been able to go rogue in Georgetown. That's so true. Why, how did that get, yeah. become part of the story? I don't know. Yeah, that's weird. It's weird that a hospital would say, sure, admit this kid. I, yeah, that's surprising. Especially, I mean, Georgetown's a major institution, a pretty mainstream institution. Yeah. It's just, yeah. That's yeah. not the kind of place you'd have an exorcism. Yeah. I, don't, I don't know much about the Alexian Brothers Hospital in St. Louis, but Georgetown, yeah. nah. Or, 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 you know, is it possible that a favorite aunt of this lonely boy, this attention-seeking kid who was into the paranormal, got him, got him in, also into the paranormal and taught him a lot about that, then she died, leaving him badly hurt, and he acted out in the way a, a lonely kid does, yeah. especially uh, if, he, if it's true and he was kind of a bully. And then this local priest who just happened to be into paranormal mm-hmm. attached a paranormal answer to it. Yes. In this case, demonic possession. I, I, that's I one take exception to the whole bully thing. I mean, I don't we, think well, bully. maybe bully is not the right word, but he was a kid who was who was you know stubborn and always wanted to get his own way. Yeah, the, he was an only uh, child, and he yes. didn't have any friends. Yes, 
I mean, who was he bullying then? Uh, his parents, it? probably. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and occasionally Aunt Tilly. Yeah. Now, Aunt Tilly, that, oh my God, he murdered Aunt Tilly. Is that what you're saying, Carrie? Is that what you're <laughs> Absolutely him not. Okay. I'm defending him. Okay. All right. All right. And remember how I mentioned that Reverend Scholes had written the paranormal researcher, J.B. Ryan? Well, mm-hmm. his response was, maybe you unconsciously, quote unquote, exaggerated some of those occurrences. So J.B. Ryan, who's a big, big fan of the paranormal, uh-huh. he thought Scholes yeah. was kind of, was exaggerating, was full of shit. So were the events exaggerated? How much was even just flat out invented? How much is William be- belief, like that you wanted to believe what you've seen? Or how much is really, truly demonic possession? I'm not saying it wasn't, for sure. Or maybe a psychokinesis, right? If you kind of get rid of the religious trappings of demonic possession, you're really close to a, a poltergeist activity in yeah. a lot of ways. So, and, and people have, there's all kinds of, of reasons for poltergeist activities, such as psychokinesis. So was it something like that that could have answered to it? And, and they just put this, you know, religious... It's exactly poltergeist it. activity. It's, if if well, they weren't religious... Except they for would... the, the Latin speaking, some of the religious stuff becomes more demonic possession-y, but the throwing stuff and the shaking and things like yes. that is totally pulled. Yeah. Yeah. But I'm saying there probably wouldn't have been Latin spoken yes. if they didn't label it demonic possession. True story. Yeah. Some people think that demonic possessions are some kind of like a trance, trance-like state, and that most cultures have some possession-like phenomena in their, yeah. in their culture. Although it's shaped by very different belief systems. In our culture, it's shaped by Catholicism. Mm -hmm. Exorcisms, so whether you're really fighting off a demon or it's just performing an age-old ritual that helps the afflicted because of the belief systems of that culture are kind of real if you if you believe that. So you you can do these exorcisms. They may not literally be expelling a demon, but they're still making that kid better. Yeah. So maybe. I don't know. There, I believe there's a strong placebo effect going on. There could on. be that, too. Or maybe Roland Doe just wanted to go to St. Louis for a few yeah. weeks. We don't know. <laughs> he was on his bucket list. He to lay in a bed. I mean. Yeah, I know. Proponents of, of demonic possession often claim this is the best authenticated instance of a modern demonic possession really? in American history. And it probably is. Huh. Well, yeah, I can agree with them. Yeah. No, I do, too. I think this is the best case they have to say demonic possession is a real thing. I don't know. I haven't done any research. There might be another one. <laughs> okay, Mom. Gary sounds very sure. There something. might be, I don't know, like another one. So, <laughs> I mean, I don't trust them. <laughs> she didn't know who them is. I didn't see who them is. I don't have it's to just, accept it's been, what they say. It's been said a lot that this is like, hey, <laughs> this one nailed it. Answer it's, that, skeptic. Some people are saying, I don't know. Just <laughs> ask <asking> the question. <laughs> just, okay. All right. All right, Alex Jones. <laughs> so what really happened to Roland Doe? Well, first of all, let's dispense with the pseudonym. Some very good journalistic detective work later on would reveal that his name was Ronald Hunkler. So Ronald very cleverly became Roland, <laughs> and Doe was from John Doe. Mm-hmm. He was born on June 1st, 1935, and sometimes Harriet, but sometimes Tilly. She was Matilda Hendricks, oh, and she was... the Tilly. Tilly. So she must have been the mom's sister then, if her last name was, was not Hunkler. Sure. Yeah. Well, she could have been married. Oh, she could have been married, yeah, and, and widowed. Yeah. Um, after the end of the saga in St. Louis, the family moved back to the East Coast. I'm, I'm assuming Cottage City, Maryland, their, their home. Ronald now, I guess, he never showed any signs of any kind of possession again. He went to college. He got married. He had a family. So he was a nice guy. He was. He named his son Michael. Oh. 
the after the archangel. The arch, wow. arch, archangel, 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 archangel. Did I say archangel? I think it's archangel. Yeah, I think it's archangel. Yeah. I, again, I'm not Catholic. You I are. You should it. know that. <laughs> I I missed that class in CCD. Arch I never angel to. classes. Yeah. So my his son Michael was named after the angel who saved him and expelled sure. Satan from him. Ronald worked for NASA as wow. an engineer. He patented a technology that made space shuttle panels more heat resistant. Well, good for Ronald. Yeah. All of his life, though, a coworker late would later say that when that this coworker apparently knew who Ronald was and said that Ronald lived in fear of other people finding out oh, that bet. he was yeah. the subject of the exorcist. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I would think so, too. He retired from NASA in 2001, and he died in 2021. Wow. I'm really glad that nobody found out and made his life. Yes. Yeah, no one found yeah. out. And, and again, researchers like Mark Obsasic found out who he was and some others in like the late 90s, 2000 or so, but kept it secret yeah. until he died. Good. The room in the Alexian Hospital in St. Louis where the exorcisms occurred was supposedly boarded up until 1978 when the entire hospital was demolished. Mm -hmm. okay, but as a result of the movie The Exorcist, interest in demonic possessions and incidents of demonic possession skyrocketed. Oh, sure. Yeah, the Catholic naturally. Church doubled the number of exorcisms <gasps> in the decade after the movie came out. Oh, Catholic Church. The Catholic Church blamed drugs and porn. What the fuck? Not mass hysteria, because naturally. And not actual demonic possession? What were well, they doing? Well, I guess... Exercising I guess, the drugs and porn from I think kids? drugs and porn make you more susceptible to demonic oh, possession, I'm assuming. I'm oh, thinking. Oh, yes. Yeah. Okay. It's very unholy behavior. Yeah, it, it does is. make sense. It is. Yeah, it is. Sure. Probably also masturbation. Yeah. And I'm going to say voting Democrat. And, and oh, your thoughts. Uh, being pro-choice. Mm -hmm. Another impact of the, uh, the exorcist, of course, was a surge in the popularity of the Ouija board. Mm, naturally. People just don't learn. It's a portal to possession. Don't maybe that's mess. when we got our Ouija board. What Was it? Fuck? Probably. I, I said maybe. Where, I don't that's, know. That's when a lot. It, 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 sales of the Ouija board skyrocketed. Well, I mean, Dad, the I want one for Christmas. I, I was seven. My parents probably did take me to see The Exorcist and I blocked out all the terrible, trauma. Terrible parents. What that's the fuck? A, I'm pretty sure this the same year they took me to see The Poseidon Adventure. Wow. They're awful. They're, they're still just, traumatized. You should that. be. <laughs> Carrie to this day cannot be in an upside down ship. No, I can't. Mm -mm. It's probably why we've never been on a cruise. That's not why. I don't think that's why. <laughs> There's lots of other reasons. In 2021, a nice couple named Ben Rocky Harris and Danielle Witt went house hunting in Cottage City, Maryland. Oh. And it's his name is Rocky Harris. Hyphen. They found a nice little cozy cottage at 3807 40th Avenue. They thought it was perfect. The price is right, so they apparently did not bother checking too thoroughly into the house. And so it was only after they had closed the purchase that the young couple found out that they had just bought the house where the Hunker family had lived when little Ronald decided to mess with a Ouija board. So it wasn't, so some sources say that the house was demolished. Right. Apparently it wasn't. Things aren't so bad though. The couple, they love the house. They've never had any issues. They've never heard like stomping feet or flying furniture. They've never had any scratches on their arms or anything like that. They've never had any kind of a ghost or demon try to help settle their travel itinerary. Nothing of the sort. Do they have any children? No. They no. Don't. There, there you go. That's probably true. Some movie fans do stop or slow down in front of the house and snap pictures. Naturally. It can get a little annoying, but it's not that bad. 
Their cat also sometimes acts weird. It well. leaps onto, <laughs> the, they have a really shiny hardwood floor and it leaps onto it and chases after something. They've said, oh, it's just probably chasing its own image. It's being fooled by its own reflection. Yeah. I mean, yeah. right? I, isn't it? <laughs> dun, dun, dun. Could be chasing a piece of dust. You know cats. Uh, could be chasing a demon. Our cat Ooh. will just randomly flip its body over itself. You're saying our cat is demonically possessed yeah. by no, I'm just cat demon? I'm sometimes our cat sees his own tail are, and does an attack and tries to flip over. Or <laughs> playing the devil's advocate, pun intended, <laughs> our cat is possessed by a demon. A cat yeah. demon probably Naturally. from Egypt. Yeah, probably. He drew blood. Oh, your cat's a horrible cat. So that is the story of the true story of the exorcist. Again, really, William Peter Bladley, Blatty read a pretty short article about the, the general idea and ran yeah. with it 20 years later. That's all you need. Yep. And then made the scariest movie ever, probably. Made yeah. a phenomenal, well, and then, yes, uh, what's his name? Made a very, very scary movie. Um, William Friedkin, I want to say, director. That sounds familiar. I think. So, made the exorcist. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Terrible things happened. And then they yeah, had other. That was other. like a haunted set. Well, no, I'm yeah. not talking about that. I'm talking about like, it, they did physical damage oh, yeah. to, to Linda Blair. Oh, yeah. Blair yeah. Yeah. Did she die? And Ellen Burstyn, too. Really? No, she's still alive. Oh. Yeah. Who died? Ellen Burstyn? Mm, she no, was no, Burstyn. Yeah, there, I mean, if, Betty you, White? if you Google it, mm. there is some curse or something about yeah, the exorcist. Yeah, there's always, oh. all things have curses about them. Of oh, what? Aaron knows. Uh, of the exorcist? What? Ooh. Oh, you know, I did hear about well, that. Well, there you go. There's a microphone right there. Microphone. This when is Aaron. Aaron's joining us. When what's your face goes to the hospital and all that shit for the test. Yeah. They use like actual hospital staff just oh. to be the people. And uh -huh. so the radiologist that does her x-rays, like a few years later, uh, killed a woman. So yeah. Yeah. Oh. Did, didn't he kill he more has, than one like even? Blonde. I think so, yeah. He's like blonde yeah. with glasses, that dude in the His movie. His name was Jeffrey Dahmer. That's right. There was wow. a legit murderer <laughs> in The Exorcist. I don't know if that makes it curse, but it makes it even more interesting. Yeah. In The Poltergeist, the actress who oh, played the yes. older sister oh, yeah. got murdered. Yes, she did. And yeah. then the little girl died a few yes. years later. Yes, she did. Too. Of a bowel obstruction. Yeah, septic. Yes. Very sad. Thank you, for, thank you for that. <laughs> so there's, just, I mean, there's a million of, yeah. movie curses if you want to look it the up. The Crow. We'll do that one. Entertain these, yourself. One of these yeah. days we'll do a movie, cur movie curse episode. Okay. Okay. And let's do that. All right. Last the story. I hope you enjoyed our continuation of the Hollow Weird World spooky Halloween season. Mm, yeah. We'll bring you something spooky again next time. Hopefully. Nicely done. Okay, bye. So, yeah, bye. Thanks for listening.